and welcome to the latest episode of the Intelligent Transport podcast. My name is Halima Huck. I'm the Editorial Assistant of Intelligent Transport and your host for today. Joining me for this episode is the Mass Alliance's Vice President, Joost Fantome, and Secretary General, Roloff Hellemans. Today, we'll be discussing the role of mobility as a service in shaping the future of transport and the work that the Mass Alliance is doing to drive its implementation globally. Thank you very much for joining me today, Joost and Roloff. It's great to have you both here to discuss such a significant topic for the transportation industry. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having us. As we know, mobility is a fundamental part of how we move around our cities and countries, and the advent of new technologies and changing societal trends is transforming the way that we think about and use transportation. I'm really excited to hear more about the Mass Alliance's efforts to drive the adoption of mobility as a service globally, and how it is working to create more sustainable and user-friendly transport options for all. So let's jump right in. To get started, I think it'd be beneficial if you could both please tell our listeners a bit about the Mass Alliance and the role that it plays in the global implementation of mobility as a service. Yust, maybe we could begin by sharing your thoughts, please. Thank you, Holiman. Good morning uh, to my colleagues as well. and Good afternoon and evening, those who are listening to this podcast. Uh, great that you invited the Mass Alliance uh, to give a bit of our perspective on mobility and actually smart and sustainable mobility here in Europe and worldwide. Uh, together with Rulof, uh, we have the pleasure to to yeah to manage this Mass Alliance, to lead and steer the Mass Alliance. It's actually an alliance of like-minded companies and institutions, public-private, um, who was founded a couple of years ago, more than seven, eight years ago now, uh, where we have over 100 companies and Rulof will deep dive into into the the what and how and who. Uh, but basically, our our plea is to have a seamless mobility from point A to point B. So moving people, moving goods as well, seamless means uh, get away of the silos that existed in the past and still exist a bit today. We have to take multiple transport modes and not knowing uh, how to buy a ticket, how to pay it, uh, what are the timetables. Uh, so for us, it's a single sign-on, ideally, that we want to have and a seamless, seamless journey for the passengers and for the goods. That's basically what we want. And we do that through a, a couple of working groups, a couple of, of course, uh, detailed um, positioning uh, towards institutions, not only in Europe, but worldwide. And uh, I'm sure that Rulof will also give some insights on how we work. Please. Thank you, Joost. And thank you, Halima, for having us. Yes, um, exactly what Joost is saying. We're trying to make uh, mobility as accessible for everybody because we believe that everybody has the right to travel, making sure that you have something to choose from your home to your destination. And um, the reason why Mass Alliance is here is that we really want to connect all the dots, all the pieces from public and private, from users to all the other persons who are involved to shape cities, to get more accessibility or liveability in the cities, but also how to manage that and how to make sure that all the data, all the connections of mobility service providers are in there, but still that the city has to, um, the tools to influence mobility for now, tomorrow, and the future. And to take one step further, um, our main goal is to create a greener, better world. So what options are there? And how can we make sure that every single user is making the right decision, is making the right option to choose from as it is green or as it is fast or as it is cheap? So we are really focusing on making the world better. And we do this with over 100 uh, members over one over the 30 countries. And a global aspect is 
the climate control, the climate crisis that we are in is not something for a border. It's not ending at a border. It's all over the world. It's all over the globe. So we're really trying to convince people that we should think, act, and do the same measures, the same issues to tackle this one. Otherwise, there is no tomorrow for our future kids, and that's not what we want to have. Anima. Fantastic. Thank you both for sharing the Mass Alliance's current initiatives and goals for the future of mobility as a service. Your insights are incredibly valuable in understanding the impact of the Mass Alliance on the transportation industry. Um, before we delve further into the specifics of the Mass Alliance's work, Roloff, it would be great if we could first take a step back and look at how global mobility trends are shaping the need for mass and the role that the Mass Alliance plays in this. If we take one of a few steps back, um, we always have transport. And uh, in the beginning, we had horses, so there was not much to choose. In the beginning, we were walking, and we see that there are more and more options to, to choose from. So by the introduction of a car, by the introduction of the um, uh, bikes, and right now we see that shared is upcoming. So there are more mobility modes where you can choose from. And the next step is not only about the supply, the supply of all these modes, but how to make sure that you have access to those and how you how you can really choose the right option you want to. So we try to connect all those modes. And one of the trends is connecting. It's, it's about trust. It's about making sure that uh, bikes shared are available and are usable. So big trend is how to get the interoperability in the ecosystem of mobility, of the mobility ecosystem. Uh, interoperability means all the modes should be connected. That's getting more and more in there. The next step for interoperability in Europe is the MDMS, the multi-digital mobility services, meaning how can we make sure that all the long-term and short urban uh, mobility modes are connected and are bookable, payable, and usable for end users. Uh, so the generic frame on this one is uh, how can we pay in one scheme and how can we uh, use or uh, create a reservation and a ticket in one scheme and how can we make sure that the services are there? And that's the main trend right now to implement the, the more easy um, accessibility for users to use the real modes that are out there. And another trend is we, if we look around and, and we see all this shared mobility upcoming and, and, and we saw what happened in Paris and we saw that there are many people who are not happy with what's ongoing, the next step is really about how do we want to shape the public domain? How do we want to shape the space that we are living in and um, the way that we want to move and how we facilitate the way we want to move? Um, if we really look outside, there, um, the, the dominance of a car is very big. We don't say that there is no future for a car. There is a very great future for cars, but only for driving, not for standing still, not for uh, taking the space that's that's also there for other modes. So we are really trying to convince that assets like uh, a car, owned assets like a car, is very good, but but it needs to be shared, it needs to be opened, or it doesn't need to uh, occupy the uh, space in the, in the public domain. So we are looking and seeing a trend that the transition of the model shift from owning to sharing is the next step that we really try to facilitate. Great, thank you. It's interesting to hear how global mobility trends exactly drive the need for innovative transportation solutions like MASS, as well as the critical role that the MASS Alliance, of course, plays in promoting its development. Of course, collaboration is 
crucial for the successful implementation of maths on a global scale. So Joost, can you please provide us with some insight into the main players in the maths ecosystem and the role that they play in making maths a reality? Thank you, Halima, for this very pointed question. It's a very good question because the Mass Alliance is a unique, I uh, would say, public-private institutional partnership. Uh, we bring together these players, um, and it can be public institutions, but it can always be private partners uh, to make it happen and, as Rulof said, to connect the dots. Uh, what we have in our membership is actually a division between, um, I would say, transport operators. So these can be public transport operators, private transport operators, so shared um, transport operators. That's one important element, of course, because these these key these guys move the people and the goods from point A to point B, but definitely also service providers. Service providers being active in the IT domain, active in the ticketing uh, domain, in the payment domain even. So they are important because they are actually the glue across these transport modes. They make you feel a single journey from point A to point B, and this across the globe. Um, furthermore, we have public authorities, and the public authorities can be either legislators, so those who are fixing the rules or setting the rules uh, when they do public procurement, for example, or tendering processes like a regional authority, um, but it can also be those who are giving incentives to make it happen. Um, a number of cities, uh, luckily we see that now in Europe, that look the number of cities are putting mass very high on their agenda um, to see that that there is a, yeah, a seamless multimodality in their own city. It's not about chasing cars. No, it's about putting the cars as part of the element in that ecosystem. And the cities there, they play actually a role of incentivizing the citizens to, to take maybe another transport mode or a modal shift approach or, or something to trial and test something new. This can be done through a city that is organizing itself the mass system, or they can tender this to a private company um, to, to do the mobility services on behalf of the city, uh, branded by the city or, or own branded by this private company. Um, and finally, uh, those who we should never forget is the user. And they also are part in the, the mass alliance because we do it for the users. Uh, we, we don't have the supply without demand and the other way around. So, And there is indeed more and more uptake on this, especially in the digitalization of the economy, where I see more and more youngsters. Uh, they live from app to app, I would say, and, and from one smartphone application to another. So they definitely want on one click um, a correct, I would say, um, yeah, transport mode with uh, the instant payment and a single ticket yeah, online, obviously. So that is a more or less the, the setting. So transport operators, service providers, public authorities and users, please. It's certainly a group effort, isn't it? It's really fascinating to hear about the different players involved in the mass ecosystem. So thank you for delving into that. It's clear that collaboration between mobility service providers, public transport operators, as you mentioned, vehicle manufacturers, technology providers, as well as government entities, and of course, the end user, um, is essential for the successful development and implementation of mass. Now, moving on, what are some of the main barriers preventing the widespread adoption of mass, specifically in terms of regulation and siloed systems? Roloff, if I could maybe come back to you for this one first, please. What are your thoughts here? My thoughts are many because um, we really try to push this and there's a, there's a strange force um, if we really want to facilitate a greener uh, environment and a greener future. Um, we really need to collaborate and work together. And that's the main issue where we are, uh, what we are facing now. 
why don't we collaborate much better? Why don't we work together to make sure that we can make this change? And the collaboration, the lack of collaboration is also uh, there within the legislation that is in there. So how do we organize ourselves? Um, for example, you, you, you mentioned it and Joost mentioned it, and we will always keep mentioning it, the silos, the silos that are built and the silos are very, very old. So we have to silo train, we have to silo plane, we have to silo public transport, we have to silo active walking. Why? We don't want to look at silos. We want to look at one ecosystem where all options are available and let the user decide what options he can choose. And also let the uh, public public authority decide what's good and what's not good, how to provide the right incentives to make sure people are pulled into the right and best mode to travel. Um, we have not reached this point yet. Uh, in mass, we call this the level four. So there's a full integration between public uh, and public and private, or there's a corporation on the operational side how to present and provide the right propositions. So this one, another one is the the, the talk we do about what we think is right, what we think is necessary. Um, at the current moment, there are um, over 30 countries in Europe, and we've, I think we have 30 uh, standards on some issues. We also have 30 solutions on some issues, and we also have 13 IDs. And it's even worse because every city is responsible for its own uh, accessibility and liability. So the public domain is owned by the city. So we, we are multiplying this 30 against all the cities that are, that are in Europe. So... If we really want to tackle this, we have to align, we have to collaborate to make sure that we are we are dealing this as one, dealing this as one. So there are no borders. There is just one uh, issue we want to solve, and that's the climate for our future generations. So how to make sure that we can provide the right propositions for all users near the future? Um, and if we go one step further, if we are... Uh, traveling, uh, if we want to travel and we are traveling to a city like Lisbon, for example, um, how do we travel there? It's always the plane because the plane is so cheap and so fast. So if you really want to do, uh, if you really want to put something against that, what can we do to make sure that the train is an even good or even better proposition to go to Lisbon instead of flying? So we also have to look on the impact on what users want to pay and how we can inform and learn users how do we, in the way how they can travel. There is no proposition right now that's taking a real counterpart of the uh, real or of the trains, sorry, of the planes. And the other one is also for driving in urban areas. It's so easy to take your car and go where you want to go. So the proposition that we should provide all users is it's great to have a car, but it's even cheaper, faster, and easier to use alternative modes. So why don't we work on those outputs together? Because then we can really have the impact. And what's holding us back? Um, it's it's talking, it's trust, and it's really the belief that we should close down thinking about only revenues, thinking about only the private revenues, but look more on a sustainable and, and more on a uh, public revenue, meaning happiness, meaning uh, the way to live. The output should be green, it should not be money. Over to you, Hannah. Thank you so much. There are certainly many barriers, but I hope we're able to overcome them. And Joost, is there anything that you'd like to add to Rolof's points there? Well, not specific. I never contradict my Secretary General of the Mass Alliance, a smart guy. But uh, some some additional insights maybe from what we see on the scale. Um, I think there are three additional points to make on on why 
we see what, what is needed in the terms of enabling factors for the mass. Um, I think the first one is the scalability and the market fragmentation. We see a lot of local markets, a lot of very local players, sometimes very small companies. Some others are very big, but the business unit dealing with mass is then a quite small one. So it would be nice to lower the ramp-up costs for these companies and increase the scalability so that they can actually uh, hyperscale themselves uh, a, big, a, big, uh, a bit wider. And that's what we, what we do in the mass lines to, to help them and bring them into contact with the right people. So scalability is one. Uh, the, the second point is what Rulof mentions, the data economy. The push from the data sharing and the data, I would say, exchange on various transport modes so that we have a, a real one single sign-on data set uh, interoperability across all these systems. So why would you need um, today, you go to Google or other other tools to find the maps and to find uh, the timetables. It would even be better to have a one, I would say, a one uh, mobility service provider that gives you the whole timetable from point A to point B and Z even. Uh, and even paying that at the same time. So, and that brings us to the regulatory policy push, um, the legal side of it, which is also an important step that we take in the mass alliance. Uh, we are confronted with really a patchwork, a labyrinth of regulations and rules. Uh, some rules are local, some are regional, national, EU, and even international. So some of it is in the gray zone, uh, is cross-modal fragmentation. Um, give you one example. Urban vehicle access regulations, uh, some vehicles are not allowed in cities between our X and our uh, Y, or you cannot be at specific zones in cities with pedestrianization. Uh, in some other cities, the e-scoops, uh, the e-scooters are forbidden or prohibited. Others really have a, a full monopoly on the local transport uh, without data sharing. So all this is not making us very happy uh, on the master line. So we want a bit more data sharing and a bit more leveling of the playing field on that one. I think there is time that is needed, but time is now. Uh, and as mentioned by Rulof, there is a regulatory initiative from the European Commission, at least here in Europe, um, on multimodality and more specifically on the digital side of it. So uh, the European Commission wants to have, a, um, so that the digital mobility providers have access to uh, to data from the public and private sector, more specifically from the public transport operators, be it rail operators, be it, um, I would say, aviation uh, or, or waterborne, for example, so that we can offer through one single sign-on app a, an access to the timetables and access to payments, even booking systems in a free flow, I would say, of data. Uh, and I'm not dreaming because this is an example of a regulation that will come up very soon, which we will foster, of course, and, and uh, make it happen. So it's a combination of um, scalability, data economy push, and regulatory policy legal push that we need. Thank you. Thank you for summing that up. And Joost, as you've briefly mentioned, regulations and policies can have a significant impact on the development and implementation of these new transport solutions. So remaining on that topic, Joost, what regulatory measures could serve as facilitators or enablers to drive the adoption of mass? Well, uh, it depends on which level you want to do that. Uh, there can be the local level, of course, um, regional also, provinces or regions in countries. It can be national um, and international at the European and beyond. Uh, what we see is that in Europe, there is already quite a lot of data available for um, cocked, making the cocktail of mobility, I would say, public and private. Um, there are the national access points. There is real-time traffic information available. Um, we, want, we want this now to be much more available through, uh, through apps, so through mobility players. Uh, what is still a bit of a hindering factor is that there is no real level playing field 
between the public and private sector. And I know I'm a bit open now saying what is public, what is private, because uh, these borderlines getting blurred in the future. Uh, but some public transport operators or PTOs have still a um, yeah kind of legacy, uh, sometimes a monopoly, a public service obligation for carrying uh, rail, for example, for carrying people from point A to point B. And um, we want a bit more, I would say, um, yeah, leveling of that playing field that we have equal access uh, to these systems in terms of reselling of tickets. For a train operator, it is probably much easier to get into a mass offer with private vehicles or with micro-mobility players uh, or uh, micro-mobility instruments, I would say, while the other way around is a bit more difficult, I guess, um, to have access uh, to these systems and to have tickets. And that's exactly one thing that the Commission will do. Um, they solved more or less the multimodal travel information services. What they now want to solve in Europe across the line, across the EU27 countries, uh, is that there is a single booking and a single payment, so access to each other's uh, tickets and reselling of tickets. That is now in the make. Um, and I hope when you have this podcast live that there is much more progress on that and that we can debate it openly with the text in hand. Um, but that's an important one. Um, the, the final thing that is the um, making people indeed, uh, as Rulof mentioned, um, thinking about the sustainability of the transport modes. Um, there will be um, um, heavy taxation also on some of the usage of transport. That's in the European legislation now being voted last week. Uh, so this uh, border adjustment and tax adjustment will happen and will the purpose is also to incentivize people to take the right transport mode for the right trajectory. Uh, if it's in a city, maybe you don't need the car for every corner that you want to reach, uh, but being long distance might be a good example to take a car or a train or another sustainable uh, transport mode way. So that's basically what the, at least for the European side, what's happening. We see different challenges in the US where the split between public and private is even bigger. Um, there's a whole uh, question there about access to mobility, uh, fair and reasonable access and affordable access to the uh, private transport system versus the public transport system. Uh, but that's probably for another podcast that you can organize. Mark, thank you. Oh, definitely. Thank you for delving into the US aspect of it as well. It's interesting to gain some insight into that. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to add to that, Roloff? No, no, this is, um, this is really, as long as we can facilitate end users to make the right decision, we can work on all the demand of mobility options and we need to connect them and we need to make sure that they got something to choose from. If you've got nothing to choose, you will always use your old schemes and that's not the best scheme we learned. So more options, the better travel. Perfect, thank you. As emerging technologies such as autonomous vehicles and Internet of Things continue to evolve, it's important to consider their potential impact on the future of mass. With that in mind, Roloff, could you please tell us how the Mass Alliance plans to address the challenges and opportunities that are presented by these emerging technologies? We see them as opportunities and uh, we can be very straight. There are the more options you can add to the ecosystem, the more options you can choose from, the better it is. And if these options are more sustainable, are more easy to use, are cheaper to use, or are a real, um, um, are a real uh, comparison to other modes, we are only happy to see these uh, modes upcoming. So for the mobility modes, please continue because this is really what we are looking for and for the internet of things or uh, the ei um, it's getting more and more easier to get the right data and to get the right information about how you want to travel and what the options are 
So we see a very rapidly uh, changing technique uh, upcoming to all users. And we try to make sure that we are on, on the ball, really straight on the ball to make sure that we can act to it. Uh, if there are any things, any moves, any uh, changes within how you want to choose, how you can choose, or what, what we need to make the right decision, we're on top of it because we really think it's all in the benefit of users. So continue our work is what we do to make sure that we can uh, create better cities. And that's our goal. Brilliant. Thank you. And Joost, would you like to add any additional thoughts or insights? No, just one thing. We see indeed um, there was a kind of hyper, um, um, I would say hype with automated vehicles. I was working for the OEMs at the time. In 2015-16, everybody thought that they will be would it be fully automated vehicles a couple of years later, even flying vehicles? Uh, actually, we're not yet there. Uh, what do we have today is a, a good, I would say, um, impetus from the OEMs, so the vehicle manufacturers, to go beyond the traditional car and to make it more connected and automated. So basically, that the car is um, an element in the, uh, would say in the transport mix that communicates with other elements. Cars can communicate with other cars, with also traffic infrastructure, with road infrastructure, with insurance companies, with service providers and the like, and obviously with mass providers. So they're part of the mass system, but they can also provide, I would say, data sharing to um, mobility, um, yeah, I would say digital mobility providers. And that's not nice, and we call it the Internet of Things, the Internet of Vehicles, and the same counts for um, for all the transport modes. Huh? Uh, we have a discussion with the micro-mobility modes, for example, um, for example, active mobility, so the, the biking, the, the bicycles, where also there we will have more and more interaction uh, between themselves, between, uh, I would say, uh, bikes communicating with other bikes, either through smartphones or even into the device themselves. So this is not science fiction, that is reality. Uh, if you go to Copenhagen or to Amsterdam, uh, you might be... Um, yeah, you might be very astonished by the number of bikes that you see, actually much more than cars and sometimes much more than pedestrians. So you need to organize this traffic, quote unquote, as a traffic manager. And that is why connectivity comes into play uh, and, and connected systems, but also traffic management and mass management, I would say, multimodality, uh, mobility network management of these transport players. So there's a lot of, uh, I would say, instruments in this. You need to play music with it now in an orchestra. And that is exactly what we want to do and give the push through the mass alliance. Alima, to add to this, because Joost um, is mentioning, and it's mentioning very, very wise, um, the model split, the model shift from owning to usage. That's really what we're seeing uh, happening right now. So not only the, the, the upcoming generation, but also our generation is looking at how, uh, how do you use the transport mode. How do you can, how can you facilitate mobility? So it's not about the KPI of owning a car, a micro mobility, or whatever. It's about the uses of a car, micro mobility, active walking, and that's the real key which we want to facilitate. And that's the real shift that we are very keen to facilitate and work on: the shift of using the assets instead of owning them. And that's certainly an unique perspective so thank you both for delving into that i love the analogy to music i've never thought of mobility or mass in that manner so no thank you both 
As we're all aware, accessibility is a critical component in any transportation system, and it's equally important that mass solutions are inclusive, equitable, and accessible to everyone, regardless of their circumstances. So, Yoast, could you please shed some light on how the Mass Alliance is working to ensure that mass solutions meet these criteria? Yeah, thank you. Very pointed question, Halima. Uh, And indeed, we take into account the user perspective and the output for the users, because as I mentioned in the beginning, we're not only a supply industry, uh, public-private, but we're definitely also a user-centric approach. And when we talk about users, we we also should talk about demystification. So what is mass, what it is not, what can it bring, uh, but also de-siloification, so getting out of your silos with your transport modes. For that, we have a number of, um, I would say, objectives for that. Uh, obviously, the seamless modality is one of them, single payment, but also access to um, access for to the transport system for disabled people, for example, yeah, or people with with hindrances, and that can be uh, being blind or being uh, disabled or other uh, other f- things you have. And for that, I think the transport system has still a way long to go. Um, I know in Europe we see that push now happily that there is more inclusiveness uh, and more push for having access to all. Uh, We see similar trends in the States, actually even more in the United States, also in Asia. Uh, What we definitely see here is that with the advent of uh, automation in the system, automated vehicles, automated whatever other transport modes, you get new uh, opportunities for, um, for people uh, with the disabled, for example, for disabled people, they're getting more access to the transport system thanks to this automated. Uh, you don't need a driving license in the future because the driving license is given to the car and not to the driver, basically. Or what we already see today, automated transport in the public uh, side, automated metros, automated, uh, even buses uh, will come on very soon now. So these are good evolutions. Um, the only thing is that we have to take care of the the fact that it's shared mobility, it is uh, collective mobility or rapid bus transport, for example, it's not privatized use of a single instrument to move you from point A to point B. Um, and that is still a way to go to have a, I can say, mixed, uh, mixed use of that for um, the disabled and non-disabled people. Um, and that's also where the Mass Alliance can bring in uh, some test cases, some best practices exchange, uh, not only in the EU, but definitely cross uh, continents. Um, Rulof, maybe you can add something on that one if you want, please. Yes, please. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we are really focusing on the proposition. And uh, the proposition is meaning what what can you buy as a user or what can you afford as a user? So we are also seeing the upcoming, um, uh, upcoming trend of mobility wallets or uh, mobility budgets. So how can you provide all users who people are living in your city or people who are working for you or people who are uh, visiting as a guest? How can you facilitate them with a budget to make sure that they can afford all the kind of modes that you really want to use? Meaning you can influence the spending power of people who are living in your city to make sure that they choose wisely and to activate uh, and to stimulate active uh, mobility if you're not using the mobility wallet all the money that you're not spending it can be yours on a net base so you can really afford something if you are not choosing to travel that's something very interesting because you can also stimulate active walking in such a way that people the best traveling is no traveling is walking is active so we really want to stimulate this so the way that we look at it is everybody has the right to travel so we should really afford 
that everybody is allowed and able to travel. It's not only about accessibility because that's an, an infrastructure element we can take away. It's about information for all those people to make sure how they can travel and where the barriers are. But it's also about lowering the barrier to use shared mobility or to use the alternative modes that are that are around there. Um, and lower the barrier is one, but also make sure that the incentives to use it is very touchable for end users to make sure that they want to choose wisely. So how can we make sure that the user behavior is changed in such a way that they will continually choose the best option for them and for a city? So that's also how we look at uh, the way in the future to uh, to provide access to all users, to all people who want to use mobility, because it's a right, it's not something you can offer. Halima. Brilliant. Thank you. It's really great to see how mass can further enhance transportation accessibility for our communities and the sheer amount of opportunities that it can present to vulnerable communities. As we come to the end of the podcast episode today, I wanted to stay on the theme of the future by asking you both what the next deployments are that the Mass Appliance is currently working on and how they will impact the user experience. Roloff, if I could please come back to you first for this one, please. Yes. Um, yes, the single development that we are working on, there are multiple, multiple, but um, we believe and we are working with all the stakeholders and all the share uh, shareholders within the mass lines on the mobility management, on the way that we can influence accessibility and livability within cities and on the collaboration between uh, public and private to make sure that mobility management is working for people who are living in there, people who are working in there and people who are going to the cities. So mobility management is uh, the next step. And on the global level, we are also work on the generic payment themes and the generic ticketing themes for all mobility modes, meaning it's not just one mode you can uh, reserve. It's one uh, reservation for all modes and you can pay it through one uh, theme. Um, that's that's going to be critical because then you have really accessibility to every mode and it's much easier for the user to use it and to experience how it is. Um, another other deployments that we are working on is user behavior and what's working so what if there's a proposition working for in um, for making shared mobility bikes more accessible and, and, and usable within a city for example oslo that example should also be shared and learned to other cities so other cities can use it as well so we're also looking at the learning loop of the propositions to make to make it more visible for everybody what the best propositions are for every city. So you can play it and you're not reinvented. And reinventing the wheel is something that we are doing in these 30 countries and all the cities. So what can we do to make sure that we can share the knowledge that we are gaining throughout Europe, throughout the world, to make sure that the propositions are aligned and the impact is as high as possible. Joost, is there anything you also want to deploy in this one? Well, it's a bit difficult to add things on these words of wisdom from Rulof, but uh, still, I, I give it a try, um, Halimach. I think the things we work on as well are standardization on data availability, data accessibility. Easier said than done when you want to have access to data, be it vehicles, be it rail, um, aviation, uh, the micro-mobility modes. Um, some of these data are being kept, uh, I would say, in, in closed circles. So we need open uh, openness in the system. And for that also, we need to talk the same language so that we can have interoperability so that we understand which data are being flown from point A to point B or from one device to another. Uh, so meaning we're pleading for open APIs. I welcome everybody to go on the Mass Alliance website 
um, to see our papers on that and showcases uh, actually tangible results. Um, and finally, um, next to the best practice sharing worldwide, I think we need to, to really go into mobility network management, that we have an orchestration of the mobility without being the super regulator of all that, but at least to facilitate uh, the moving from people and goods from point A to point B through transport modes that are the most, um, I would say, the most convenient for that person, but also for climate. Uh, so it's really a sustainability story as well. So vehicles talk to other vehicles, V2V, V2I, to infrastructure. We want also mass uh, systems to talk to other mass operators in an interoperable and multimodal way. So I know I'm a bit dreaming, but that's our uh, credo for our, uh, for our mass alliance. Thank you. Oh, it's always good to dream high. And um, thank you for sharing that. It's so interesting to see the range of initiatives that the Mass Alliance is currently working on and just the sheer amount of potential that there is. Looking ahead, I'm curious to know what the ultimate goal is for the Mass Alliance. So, Joost, if the Mass Alliance was allowed to fulfil its wildest dream, what would it be and how would it transform the future of mobility? Well, I think basically uh, what we did until now is preach mass as a uh, uh, as a system that makes uh, things much more fluid from moving people and goods from point A to point B and point C in a shared uh, collective way, but sometimes also privatized for individual way. Uh, what we definitely need is a single sign-on, a single payment, a single booking, and one-stop shopping, literally and in the other way. Uh, that you understand the word. So a one-stop shop or a one-stop drive and a one-stop move through a um, yeah single uh, data sharing, single app uh, or apps that are interconnected. Thank you. Joost, that can't be your wildest dream, a single stop and a single book it in. I know you've got much, <laughs> much wilder dreams there. <laughs> okay, no comment on that one. <laughs> no. <laughs> So, Roloff, what are your hopes for the future? My hopes? No, my, there, there's no time for better dreams. I think we really should continue the work that we're doing to uh, to make this sustainable green approach. And my wildest dream, and I hope that many people will also be influenced by this wildest dream, is is there a way where we can live in the future within cities? Because we will live more and more in cities in such a way that's nice to be in their cities. It's, it's nice to live there. It's There's space to, to interact with each other. There is always an option to travel. But we should really look in the way that we want to facilitate our cities and we want to treat our cities as well. It's not wise what we're doing right now. So a little bit more smartness is, is, is very uh, preached. And... What and, and I'm really my wildest dream is if I am a young kid and I want to travel, I pick up my phone and I will just say I want to travel and there will be five options coming up to me and they, those options will come to me and say thank you very much for traveling with us. So we should really focus on the end user and not the old user that we are currently focused on, but really the, the future generation. That's the generation really wants to change to really are getting more and more concerned about the environment. So we should really facilitate them in such a way that we can influence mobility throughout mobility network management or mobility management to make sure that we can provide the right proposition and create this greener, better, sustainable future for our kids. And that's not a dream. That's something we should do together because otherwise there is no future for nobody. Um, and that's not a uh, that's not a killer it's really something that everybody within the mass alliance and everybody with, and all the stakeholders in the 
mobility ecosystem are working on, we should do better. And that's what we are aiming for. And we're doing a good job, but we can do a lot more better jobs. Halima. That's great. Thank you. I hope this is something that we see becoming a reality in the near future. Finally, to bring our episode to a close today, are there any final notes that you'd both like to share with our listeners about the Mass Alliance and its vision for the future of mobility as a service? From my side, I think we've said a lot of words. I don't know if the words of wisdom, but at least a good spread of uh, what we do. I can only ask everybody to go on our website where you find everything uh, you would ever like to ask about Mass. It's mass-alliance.eu. So uh, mass-alliance.eu where you find all the players, uh, the members, the position papers, uh, even uh, live data feeds, and et cetera, et cetera. So feel free to go on that one. Thank you. And once you're on this one, join us as well, because uh, we we need more and more people who are thinking alike and who are concerned alike as we are. So if we really want to make this change, the more people who are making this voice, the more people who are making this sound, the, the better we are heard and the more impact we can make. So it's very important to uh, to join us to make sure that you are also aware of the good things that we're doing and also be aware of the traps that we are making and sh- making sure that we're not into it again. So uh, we're open for everybody to make sure that we can inform you and happy to align to make sure that we can create a better future. Thank you. That's, I think, the perfect way to sum up this episode. Sadly, that is all that we have time for today. Joost and Roloff, thank you both so much for taking the time to join me for this episode and for sharing your thoughts with our audience. Mass has become increasingly important in today's world as a way to provide efficient and sustainable transportation options for individuals and communities. And it's been really fascinating to see the efforts that's being made by the Mass Alliance to promote and facilitate its adoption. I'm sure that our listeners will agree with me. So thank you once again. Before we go, a quick note to our listeners, please. I hope that you all enjoyed today's episode. If you're keen to hear more about other key topics from within the transportation industry, then please do make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on our future episodes, as we have plenty more exciting discussions in store for you. You can listen to every episode of our podcast, both past and future, on our website, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as any other platform that you usually listen on. On behalf of myself and both Yost and Roloff, thank you all for your time and for listening to us today. Until next time, thank you and goodbye.